certainly have fears that there is a serial killer at loose in Perth. Sarah Spears, Jane Rimmer, Kira Glennon. And every time you saw a young girl walking by, you think, oh God, is she going to be the next victim? Now, one man stands accused. If police are right and Edwards is the Claremont serial killer, he's been hiding in plain sight for 20 years. He terrorised the city for three decades. His name is Bradley Robert Edwards. And tonight he's behind bars, a convicted double murderer. This is the moment when Justice Stephen Hall handed down the most anticipated verdict in West Australian criminal history. Stand up, please, Mr Edwards. On count six, that on or about the 27th of January 1996 at Claremont and elsewhere, you willfully murdered Sarah Ellen Spears. My verdict is that you are not guilty. On count seven, that on or about the 9th of June 1996 at Claremont and elsewhere, you willfully murdered Jane Louise Rimmer. My verdict is that you are guilty. On count eight, that on or about the 15th of March 1997 at Claremont and elsewhere, you willfully murdered Kira Eilish Glennon. My verdict is that you are guilty. You can sit down. Welcome to Claremont in Conversation. Natalie Bongiolo, Tim Clark and Damien Cripps with you today. We're going to discuss how the day unfolded. It was a momentous um, day here in Western Australia. Tim, what was your reaction when you heard that verdict? Um, yeah, I, I've got to admit, I wasn't overly surprised, but I was still saddened um, for the family of Sarah um, Spears. Um, I was relieved for the family of Jane Rimmer and Kira Glennon, um, and I w- had no sympathy whatsoever for Bradley Edwards because, as he had done for the entirety of the trial, he showed absolutely no emotion apart from slightly shaking his head, which told me that either he was disappointed or didn't agree with the verdicts that were being handed down. But uh that didn't matter, and that doesn't matter, because I think Justice Hall um, gave the right verdicts um, on all three counts. Um, from what I observed of the trial, the evidence was very strong. Um, in the case of Kira, it was also strong in the case of Jane. It obviously wasn't as strong in the case of Sarah because of the lack of physical evidence. Um, but even then, Justice Hall... Um, said that it was more likely that Bradley Edwards had been the killer of Sarah Spears, but a probability or even a possibility of that happening was not enough to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he had killed her, so the verdict had to be not guilty. And it was a huge day. Um, it was. It's been a huge year. It's been a huge 25 years for the... Um, families of all these young women um, and it only ended up taking 28 minutes for Justice Hall to summarise what has been the biggest trial in WA history and the most watched and will now probably be the most analysed and most picked apart judgement in Western Australian history, all 619 pages of it. Um, yeah which I've started reading this afternoon and uh, will continue reading for a few days to come. We'll all have a late night tonight reading through that. And it was just quite nerve-wracking sitting there waiting to hear the verdict. Um, Damien, for you, was it what you expected? It was what I expected, Nat. I thought that um, knowing what Justice Hall is like, he was succinct and well-explained and he was very uh, 
direct in how he wanted his message to be conveyed. That's what it felt like to me. I thought that he would take a bit longer than he did, mm. um, I, but I think it was actually quite relieving when we got to a point where everyone realised that the verdicts were coming down. I, I thought, well, this is actually really good. So for me, um, I was similarly to Tim, I wasn't surprised about the um, verdicts. It's easy to say that from yeah. after the verdict. I understand that, but um, I wasn't surprised. But it was a quite a um, poignant moment for me because once I realised that those verdicts had been handed down, I did automatically turn my thoughts to the families. And, and, and unlike, I thought about Mr Edwards' family as well, and I, I was thinking, well, this is a moment for all of them that has now passed that will be you know forever with them. So yeah. it was a big it was a big sort of hour that hour from nine fifteen on leading up to when we got that. Was that how long it took? Well, it was really twenty one minutes mm. before oh. the actual verdict came down, and and I was not in the courtroom where Tim was, but I was in the media room, and when he said it, we all gasped. And I think it was not so much because we were surprised by the verdict. We were just surprised that it had come so quickly. And I understand you might know, Tim, in the overflow courtroom, there were cheers. Yes. Uh, so a colleague of mine at the newspaper, um, Phil Hickey, um, uh, took one for the team and um, uh, decided not to be in the courtroom itself, but was in the spill court down the corridor where dozens and dozens and dozens of people were um, uh, sitting and, yeah, and and he said and reported that at the moment that Justice Hall um, said that he had found beyond reasonable doubt that Mr Edwards was the killer of Kira and Jane, there were um, pretty loud cheers and applause um, from those gathered there, which you obviously couldn't do in the courtroom um, proper, but, you know, spoke to me about the feelings that have, we have spoken about for six, seven months now and, and the, the listeners to the podcast have spoken to us directly through the emails that um, they've they've come on with us on this journey but but everyone in Perth seems to have had a journey on their on of their own from the, the, these cases from the mid-90s and it all means uh, the same to them but something slightly different whether it be a young woman who's behaviour was changed or parents whose attitudes towards their children changed or um, business owners who had to change the way they did business um, and media who had to change the way we reported these crimes and thought about these crimes because of the public reaction. It changed so much um, from then all the way through. It's changed policing. Uh, yeah. Commissioner Chris Dawson boldly said today, it's, you know, that the way this investigation has had to have been done has changed the way that they thought about how these investigations should be done and will be done in the future. And it also um, changed the lives of all those police officers who were closely, closely um, associated with it. Um, I was lucky enough to speak to Paul Ferguson, who we've mentioned on this podcast, the the first OIC of Macro, and he told me today it's the end of a journey for him because he was there to, to hear those verdicts. He was upset by them, as we all were, because of Sarah and because of Don and Carol. And he, he summed it up for me in, in saying, you know, this has been a big part of my life and a big part of everyone's lives. Yeah, I mean... 
in a way, it felt like this was a verdict for the community. Mm. Every single person was invested. And you can't help but wonder, what would have happened had it gone the other way? How would the community have moved forward, Damien, if it hadn't have gone this way? Well, I think that we are somewhat blessed these days that we have the internet, so people would have got on the internet and they would have had the opportunity to vent what they thought about it. And I think that you'll find in the days and weeks um, after today's verdict, people will do that anyway. You know, um, it, it is unusual to be in a court. Uh, Tim was just explaining then it was an overflow court, but it would, would be unusual to be, especially for a lawyer, to be sitting in a court and hear people cheering. When Miss um, Barbagallo left the court today, <laughs> she received a round of applause, and that was quite significant. Um, and I remember thinking at the time that... Um, Although it would have felt like that applause was directed at her, to me the applause is directed to everybody who's gotten this trial across the line, you know, like including the defence counsel, even though it might feel to them like they didn't get the result that they wanted, including Justice Hall, including all the court staff, everyone that's involved. You know, I just had that moment when Miss um, Barbagallo got that applause, and I know that she was the one that walked out and received the applause, but it felt to me like it was the people of Western Australia saying, yes, we've got an answer and we've got a result, well done. That, that's what it felt like to yeah, me. I th- yeah, I think that's absolutely spot on, David. And something that Justice Hall said before he actually got into the nitty-gritty of his um, reasons and verdicts today was that um, uh, the old adage of justice not only being done but being seen to be done. And he said um, that this case has um, crystallised that phrase like no other in this state because uh, because of the interest and because of the media coverage and because of the in you know the, the interest that people have taken to 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 really know and really learn mm. and really watch what's been going on in court and that uh, I, I I absolutely agree about that applause for Carmel um the the, the job she's done personally obviously goes without saying but the job everyone's done and I've mentioned it a few times uh, in the court around the court the security officers the police um, um, Mr Jovic and, and Genevieve Cleary who was his co-barrister their legal team behind them the fact that legal aid will pay for such good people to defend a man on such serious charges um, the justice system often gets castigated and and you know talked badly about and sometimes rightly so but on the flip side i think the claremont case and the claremont trial has shown the justice system in its very best light and everyone should be uh, you know hugely proud and satisfied um that it's gone off um as well as it has done and although mr edwards's family and Mr. Edwards himself might not agree with the verdicts. Um, that is what justice is about. That you put the case before the best person or persons to hear it. In this case, it was one person. Um, the case is heard in the open so everyone can hear it at the same time. And then the verdicts are brought down. And we'll sure I'm sure we'll come to it in a, in a little while. There is an appeal process, so if you disagree with those verdicts and you think you've got a case, then there is another process that you can go through to see if those verdicts are correct. Um, so, yeah, I mean, justice was done and it was 
it has been seen to be done um, in the brightest, brightest light in the last um, seven months or so. So Kate has some audio uh, of Justice Hall's reasonings, which we'll just play for you now. Those findings lead me to conclude that the accused abducted Miss Rimmer on the early morning of the 9th of June 1996 in Claremont. He used his work vehicle, a VS Holden Commodore station wagon, to drive her from the area. It is not possible to determine exactly how he managed to get Miss Rimmer into the car. He then drove her to Wellard. At some point, a violent struggle ensued. Miss Rimmer was able to scream, but the accused had a knife or other sharp object which he used to attack her. She tried to fend off the attack and incurred a defensive injury to her wrist. The accused then, with intent to kill, stabbed or slashed her with the sharp instrument, causing one or more fatal injuries to her neck. (coughs) Given the screams, it is likely that this struggle occurred at Wellard. The accused removed Miss Rimmer's clothing and disposed of her body in Wellard. He either took or concealed the clothes. He chose a semi-rural location and put her body on the ground before covering her with vegetation he gathered from the surrounding area. His intention in doing so was to minimise the chances of her being found and his offence being discovered. The findings also lead me to conclude that the accused abducted Miss Glennon on the early hours of the morning of the 15th of March 1997 in Claremont as she was walking home. He again used his work vehicle, a VS Holden Commodore station wagon, to drive her from the area. It is not possible to determine exactly how he managed to get Miss Glennon into the car. At some point, a violent violent struggle ensued in which Miss Glennon scratched or clawed at the accused, thereby getting some of his DNA under her nails. The accused had a knife or other sharp object which he used to attack her. Miss Glennon tried to fend off the attack and incurred a defensive injury to her arm. The accused then, with intent to kill, stabbed or slashed her with the sharp instrument, causing one or more fatal injuries to her neck. Damien, it was very interesting, I thought, how Justice Hall um, started the proceedings. He said, this is a trial like no other. This is a trial like every other. And I just found that quite poignant. Well, he, as we've discussed all the way through now, he's an extremely intelligent man and his way with words is second to none. Mm. He, look, it, it was a trial like no other and it is a trial like every other <laughs> yeah. because every single, one of the things that I've been speaking to about in the days leading up to this um, verdict is that people say it's the trial of the century and we call it the trial of the century. We do. But I tell you what, I've got clients that are in the magistrate's court who would say their trial is the trial of the century because it's all relative isn't it but look let's accept that to the to the people the public and the culture of western australia and i I really mean that i thought about that today too that that as tim was saying it's changed our lives it's changed the way we police it's changed the media it's changed the way we um lawyers work it's changed the culture of western australia changed the culture of western australia back in the 90s because we I know we've discussed this as well. As young as young men, as I was then, I felt like I was targeted as an accused. You know, I felt I felt like I was a suspect. So imagine what women must have felt like. They were 
um, targets. So we we lived through a time that changed the way that um, people in Perth and Western Australia lived, and here we are in 2020, and we are outside the court applauding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and I think that's why we saw the scenes that we saw today outside the courtroom. And for those of you who didn't manage to get down there, it was absolutely extraordinary. We are talking hundreds of people, some people there at four o'clock in the morning to get into the courtroom, which is absolutely unheard of. We're talking platforms, uh, news reporters, hosts, lights, cameras. It was unbelievable. The roads were shut. I mean, have you ever seen it like that before, Tim? The, honestly, the only thing I can compare it to is when the Queen came to Perth a yep. few years ago and she held um, <clears throat> held a barbecue, inverted commas, on the front um, lawn of Perth, which is Langley Park, which is a you know very o- wide open space near the river. That is the only thing I can honestly think of that came anywhere near to to this today. Because they literally did. They shut the roads. They sh- stopped the traffic. The uh, media helicopter followed Mr. Edwards's yep. van from the moment it left Casarina Prison all the way down the fr- up the freeway into Perth. We were getting rolling updates of where it was. From the police, yep. Not from you know a colleague on in the chopper. Um, there was a car behind the outlier car behind the van with a cameraman in it. Which again, if you see the footage on the news tonight, it is reminiscent of OJ Simpson going down the freeway on the, yeah. in that white Bronco. That's that's what it reminded me of. There were platforms. There was a security guard employed by one of the media organisations to retain their spot on the pavement overnight. There was at least 100 media there by 8 o'clock when it wasn't going to start until 9.15. And it was a well-oiled machine. And, and, mm. and uh, I've been informed before and it's since it has taken numerous internal briefings, WA police briefings, and quite rightly so, when the West Australian Police Commissioner is arriving at court... Um, to witness something that he was personally involved in in 2008, but he had now overseen his team do in 2019 and 2020. The security was, um, uh, you know, sky high. Um, Every single moment was captured from every single angle today. Um, and And it goes back to the justice system being exposed, inverted commas, but being shown to work being shown to work really, really well. And everyone who needed to be in court um, was in there, apart from one disgruntled journalist, which I won't mention his name, but he was an Abbey. Um, But, you know, but it wasn't like he couldn't see it because there was a spill court and then another spill court and a media room downstairs and another media room downstairs. And we got the footage from Justice Hall within two hours. We got the 619-page judgment within seconds. We got a written summary actually while we're standing in court before we'd even left. So, again, all you can do is is, um, applaud the efforts that have gone into making this whole thing... um, work Mm. uh, because um there are so many moving parts that it it, if one of them has stopped moving then it might not have worked but it did and one of the things i found astounding i was outside and i stopped at one moment because there was a a mum 
with her child and they were running past me up the street and saying, quick, up this way. I think someone's coming out up here. And I actually just thought, wow, this really has spread to every single person in the community that they actually are in this situation now, whether you're uh, whoever you are, you want to be a part of this moment in history. And Damien, you were in the thick of it as well. You were doing uh, crosses into the newsroom. You must have been looking up from that platform and looking it around at the people there and really just thinking, this is unbelievable. Surreal. It was <laughs> surreal to see my courthouse, and I call it my courthouse because <laughs> yeah. my office is literally 50 yeah. metres up the road, and my other courthouse right across the street being affected the way, it, well, not affected, but being utilised the way it was that the that it became everybody else's courthouse, yes. which was quite fantastic, actually. Um, and it was quite interesting that you just said then, that, you know, the mother and child run up the street, somebody's going to come out, somebody's going to come out. And the irony of this story is that this story is about three women that are never going to come out. That's right. Um, when you said that, it was quite chilling to me. I thought, you know, like, um, it's not. this is not a celebrated moment. Uh, I understand that everybody's interested yes. in it, but... but um, you know, there's so much media, so much happening that people do get caught up in the, the what's actually the, there's three um, three people that, that aren't around to to celebrate or to be involved in what Tim's talked about as a um, as a, a great moment for the legal system of Western yeah. Australia. Um, but I, I was um, down there, like you said, Nat, in the thick of it, and I saw Mr. Clark doing his bit, and I saw. Um, our team doing their bit. There was a lot going on, and I was, I, I do feel a little bit privileged to have been part of it because, because as like Tim said, there's so many moving parts, and just to um, see it all operating certainly um, was the icing on the cake to the fact that the trial got completed and we got to a point where we've got a verdict. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. Um, I also had that moment where I thought to myself, oh, um, this is not theatre. This is not just TV. And it was interesting because Justice Hall, in his verdict, he said the same thing. He said, this is not a performance. This is real victims and real families. Yeah. And uh, to be fair to Justice Hall, he said that at the start as well. Mm. Um, this is not a social occasion. This is a formal occasion. You will, if you come into my court, you will dress appropriately. You will behave appropriately. And I was so um, pleased that 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 was abided to, you know, albeit for a couple of minor incidents, uh, which is astonishing, really. Ninety-five days plus, as Justice Hall said this morning, fourteen pretrial hearings, which was another nineteen days plus today, and everyone, I I think, I, I would be fair to say, has taken this as seriously as it should be taken because a murder trial is the most mm. serious um, legal occasion you can you know, pretty much attend, witness, be involved in um, because it literally is someone's life has been taken and another person's life at stake, the person sitting in the dock. That's um, right. And everyone did take it seriously. And um, again, those who have attended the trial... In, from the public gallery should be should be applauded for a taking enough interest to actually take some time out of their busy lives and busy days to attend to see justice in action and b then taking it um, as seriously as they did yeah and it was interesting when the decision 
was handed down. The reaction spread from inside the courtroom. It, it almost came out like a wave. And then, of course, we saw an outpouring of grief in Claremont as well, where people were talking and, and laying flowers and, and there were tears. And I just, it was extraordinary that it moved across the suburbs like that. And um, the one picture I saw uh, was the most poignant picture I've seen today was a single arum lily that someone had placed on the front of the Claremont Hotel, Continental Hotel. And as our regular listeners will know, the arum lily was the flower that was growing in and around the copse where uh, Jane's body was found. So that really, uh, you know, there's been a lot of moments today, but when I just saw that and it just did really stop me in my tracks and and, um, really brought it back to what this was all about, which was um, Sarah and Kira and Jane. Tim, I wanted to ask you a question. You always... um, get to ask all the hard questions. <laughs> so let me throw one back You're at you. You're a lawyer. You ask hard questions of people all the time. I try to come up with hard <laughs> questions. Um, look, I, you, I'm uh, quite um, in agreement with you about what you said about um, the way that this process has unfolded and, and, and that it's a success story. And, and I think that everybody in Western Australia should look at it that way. Um, obviously, there's one family that are, are in, in a, a bit of a different position and I'm I'm not going to try to put too many words to it, but I wanted to ask you this because, and and I'm happy for the listeners to know that this is my view on it, that next to the prosecutor, the defence lawyer, and potentially Justice Hall, I would be fairly confident in saying to anybody that I ever spoke to that you probably carry and store the most knowledge about this matter, about this case, than anyone does. So you're the appropriate person for me to ask this question to. If Do you think, and I understand that it's only your thoughts, do you think that that family can go home and recognise that the system has done what the system had to do? I really, I really hope so. I really hope so. And, and having observed mostly Don Spears, throughout the trial process. Um, I mean, it, you know, he's lived this for you know, 24 years. Don is such a, um, a stoic man. He's a sheep shearer, still shears in his 60s. He's uh, adored by his family, uh, revered in the in the area that, that his, his shearing business has been running for many, many, many years. Um, everyone who knows him says he's strong, he's solid, he's, he's just your archetypal West Australian um, countryman. <clears throat> but this case, the disappearance of his daughter, the death of his daughter, affected him more than, you know, you can possibly imagine. Observing him today, I got... I got the impression, and it's only an impression from body language because Don and Carol chose not to speak um, outside court, inside court, although they did speak to the you know, commissioner and Carmel inside court, but not to us. I got the impression that they weren't happy, obviously, but they, I think they were accepting of, of, of what had happened. And 
certainly accepting of of the process that uh, that it, that had gone through, um, because there, there there wasn't huge histrionics from any of the families, but particularly from Don and, and Carol, and Commissioner Chris Dawson was sat two seats away from them when it was all finished. The first thing that Commissioner Dawson did was turn to them both and speak to them quietly and console them and show his physical support for them. And then Carmel Barbagallo, when she'd um, come from the bar table, did exactly the same thing, and Carol and Don were the first people they she went to as well. <clears throat> so at the end of it all, um, they might not, I'm, I'm sure they won't be happy with with the verdict, I got the impression that that they understood it and accepted it. But what they must absolutely be sure of is that everyone in Western Australia is thinking about them mm. today. Absolutely, yeah. And and we got the the, the speech from the commissioner afterwards. Um, probably doesn't really um, assist them to the extent, but they should have. Um, the, the commissioner said that there was the, the search will continue. Right. Yeah, that's right. And and I think um, they will probably have to hold on to that. This is what Chris Dawson said when he stepped outside and spoke to the waiting media pack. The investigation into the murder of Sarah Spears remains open. We will never give up trying to locate Sarah. And I've conveyed that to Don and Carol Spears today and to Amanda. Sarah and her family deserve justice. I do note amongst His Honour Judge Hall's comments in respect of the acquittal of the charge of murdering Sarah Spears, and I'll directly quote, the propensity evidence makes it more likely that the accused was the killer of Ms Spears, but it cannot prove it beyond reasonable doubt in the absence of any other evidence as to the identity of her killer. So we must never forget Jane, Kira and Sarah and the devastating effect these crimes have had on their families. And following that, the Premier, Mark McGowan, came out and implored Bradley Edwards to disclose any information he may have and to back the police that they will continue to, you know, fight for justice for Sarah and her family. I, I was astounded that the Premier did that. That was That's unprecedented. In, in my view, um, perhaps it, it might have been um, something for the Attorney-General to do um, because he's worked so hard on that legislation um, in that respect. It, it was quite... an. Um, it was quite an unusual thing for the Premier to say. And I, the reason I say that is because I think when we get verdicts from the court, if you say you were a person who didn't agree with the verdict of guilty or you're a person who didn't agree with the, ver- the acquittal, then you have to come to terms with it in some sense that it doesn't go away. It, the verdict stays as it is. So whether you agree with it or whether you don't, that is the verdict of the court. And, of course, there's the appeal process, as we've discussed. Um, but I just thought that it was very quick for... It was. It didn't take long for the Premier to come out and, and um, 
say what he said today. And I'm certainly in a grants. If it's the case that Mr Edwards does know, then everybody wants him to do that. But uh, and I guess maybe to some extent coming from the top is a really good way to do it. So there's uh, two different views of it, but it, it was quite unusual, that. And if anyone in Western Australia is used to getting legal advice at the moment, it is Mark McGowan because <laughs> he's got about true. 40 gajillion lawsuits with Clive Palmer. Um, so he would have a hotline to the Solicitor General, the State Solicitors and all the, you know, the, the very well-read um, lawyers in his office. So I, I'm assuming that he's taken legal advice on that. But I, I'm with you, Damien. I was surprised, very surprised that he went that, that route I mean, that wasn't the only thing he said. He, he obviously consoled the families and praised the legal team and all that. But um, I think to he ask said a man, what people are thinking. Well, uh, yeah, no doubt he is, but he's not every man. He's the premier. Mm. He's the you know he's the, apart from Mr. Edwards today, probably the most recognisable face in Western Australia. For him to say that of a man or to a man or towards a man who has been acquitted of that murder. And in the eyes of the law, has not committed that murder. Um, that is, you know, the, it, you need to sort of do some pretzel type manoeuvres to sort of <laughs> think. Well, why would he do that <laughs> yeah. if he's been acquitted? Because then it becomes a confession. And uh, yeah, so look, I, I, I'm sure. It, it, again, in in this in in these, in these COVID times, Mr. McGowan has pretty much nailed. Uh, the public sentiment, I think, in his public statements over the last six months pretty well. Um, I, I, I think he's well-tuned to what the Western Australian public um, are thinking and maybe what they want him to say. But that today, that, that that's different than talking about, even if talking about a pandemic or, or yeah. a... Or a um, an annoying billionaire that is that is this that is talking about a legal verdict that is you know that the ink's hardly dry on it, and he's asking the acquitted man to basically you know confess to something that a very 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 experienced judge has um, found that legally um, he he can't be convicted of. And to carry on from that, Tim, um, <clears throat> and Nat, is the consideration that. Given that Mr. Edwards has just been through a trial for murder of of one of the victims being Sarah Spears, I'm not sure that he can be tried on that murder again. Mm. So it, it's it's a really difficult situation. I mean, I'm sure Tim, uh, there'll be loopholes in that. There'll be exceptions to the rule. I yeah. understand that, but if you just look at it off the cuff, you can't be tried twice for the same crime. Yeah. Well, as I understand it, mate, and and you know. We looked this up. We thought about this earlier in the week, and we've looked it up. Uh, in two thousand and eight, there was a law passed in Western Australia um, by the former State Attorney General um, Christian Porter, who's now the Federal Attorney General, and it, it it addressed this very point: double jeopardy, the 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 fact that you can not be tried for something twice on the same evidence. Mm. But the law in Western Australia, as I understand it, stands now, right, is that. If there is fresh and compelling evidence for a serious crime that you can get life in prison for, and it, I, I stress those words, fresh and compelling. So it can't be, I saw Mr. Edwards um, in Claremont maybe around the end of January 1996. It couldn't be that. I mean, fresh and compelling means exactly that. It's got to be 
any, something that would tip the balance or, and would have tipped the balance if it was available at the trial, then there is a possibility that the Court of Appeal may say, yes, you can be tried for murder again. It's never happened, as far as I know. It was brought in on the back of a murder case, a very tragic murder case of a man who was hit on the head with a cricket bat. Um, a man was charged of, for, for his murder. There were several eyewitnesses, um, one of whom at the trial said, no, I think it was another man who hit the victim with the cricket bat. But then after the trial, publicly said, no, I think I got it wrong. I think I actually think it was the man who was acquitted that was doing the hitting. That caused obvious outrage from the, this victim's family and these laws were put into place on the back of that. But exceptionally rare and the compelling bit is the compelling bit. Yeah. Because I think there's only one circumstance I could possibly see that happening, um, which is what we all hope will happen, is that somehow, somewhere, someday the remains of Sirius Beers are found. But after all this time, it, uh, you know, we know, we all know and understand how unlikely that is. In saying that, though, um, the Commissioner really was so very strong in what he said that, you know, no stone will be left unturned. Which, personally, again, it's, it's, it's an extraordinary statement on an extraordinary day in extraordinary circumstances to be standing there and, and to be, you know, so proud and so, um, you know, vociferous in your praise of your team, stood literally stood behind you, your macro team, yep. and all the officers that had gone before. I think uh, Commissioner said 700 officers had worked yep. on the case over the journey. Um, we all know how long it's been, various iterations of it, um, you know, the... the started out as a macro task force. Um, for him to say, we've got convictions on two murders, but this case will will stay open in perpetuity mm. um, and we will expend all the resources that we were possibly allowed to spend in, in, in trying to solve it. Again, it, it's just another um, amazing circumstance um, that a commissioner would be, you know, driven and sanctioned to say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, and be able to promise the Western Australian community that, um, but most importantly, promise um, Don and Carol Spears that. Well, there was a sense that he was buoyed by what Justice Hall had said in his verdict. Um, and we have another clip from Commissioner Dawson, uh, which is what he wanted to say to the families. Bradley Edwards can now be called for what he is, a brutal rapist and a murderer. I acknowledge and thank all those family members for their strength and their resilience. I've just spent some time with all those family members. They have carried themselves and continue to with patience, grace and dignity under the most tragic of circumstances. For those families today, it was unbelievably difficult. None of us can even comprehend what they were going through. And then when they left court, of course, they walked into absolute packs, crowds, people asking them questions, wanting to them to say something. They didn't, uh, except for Lee Rimmer, who did stop briefly and had a quick chat to reporters, and this is what she said. 
I feel really good actually. There was at one point I thought he was going to be not guilty, but no, we got the result we wanted. And now we just have to keep working for the Spears family and hope someone finds Sarah. I think you get some closure, but it's always going to be the same. No one's ever going to bring her back or, yeah. What toll has this taken on you, Lee, over all these years? Uh, a toll it would take on anyone, I suppose. Shocking. Um, body troubles and blah, blah. I just found that heartbreaking because the toll is insurmountable and there's obviously too much to even list it, blah, blah, blah. Like, I can't even begin to tell you is what she's saying, the toll this has taken on myself and my family. Yeah. Um, Lee is – Lee has paid tribute to her sister – so many times, in so many different ways, in so many different um, avenues, and 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 to so many different audiences, because you can understand why you wouldn't want to talk, you wouldn't want to have to front that type of media attention. But Lee is Lee, Lee is a slightly different, a, a slightly different case because she has actually over the years um, come to terms with the media interest and. I I I think I'm fair in saying used it in a way. It sometimes used it to um, you know express her feelings um, and and let people know how she's feeling, which in turn helps her how she's feeling. But it, as she said there, it has taken a huge toll on her mentally and physically, um, as it has on certainly on uh, you know Don Spears has said over the years the. the Quite publicly and quite openly, uh, the, tr- the troubles that he's had with um, depression, um, the personal, the, the toll it takes on personal relationships. Um, yeah, it, 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 unless you've lived it, I don't think you, you you can really understand it. You can you can certainly try and understand it and um, um, and appreciate it, but you know, unless you've lived it, it you you never will. Um, but what Lee said there um, was a testament to, to to the way that all the families have, have um, uh, lived through and reacted to this, this this trial and the the scrutiny that's come with it. Because not only was she thinking of her sister, but she was her very last statement was, "We just need to keep working and hope we find Sarah." Yeah, the Rimmer family did shortly after put out a statement which reads. The Rimmer family is pleased that we finally have a verdict which gives us some answers about the abduction and horrendous murder of our beloved Jane. For our family and friends, there have been 24 years of pain and anguish at the loss of our young, vibrant daughter, sister, niece and close friend. Jane had her whole life ahead of her and it is almost beyond comprehension this could have ended in such horrific, heinous circumstances. Our family can now take some comfort today and the healing process can begin. We want to thank the Office of the Director of Public Prosecutions and the WA Police Force for the way in which they have interacted with the family throughout this difficult time and the extremely thorough and professional manner in which they have worked. The police have been supportive and kind to our family for 24 years. They have kept us informed and up to date in all developments over a long period of time. We do not wish to make any further comment and ask that you respect our privacy at this time. Thank you, family and friends of Jane Rimmer. 
And I think tonight, how are they tonight? How are these families coping tonight? Um, who knows? Um, hopefully they've taken some solace. Um, I hate the word closure. It just it, there isn't it. There's, there isn't any closure. So many people uh, yeah. use that word and then sneer at me. You know, closure in, in terms of just general court reporting because there isn't. Um, totally. And today, Tim, uh, I thought exactly the same thing as I watched the families get into the car to drive away, and I looked at their faces and I thought, "There's no closure." I mean, yes, they have a verdict, but I just felt so empty still mm. for them because they don't have their child. No. Jane and Kieran's here are never coming back. They haven't been back for you know, more than 20 years. Lee, Lee said it in, in, in her own words today. It's not going to bring Sarah back. But they do have some answers, and, and some of those answers will be really hard to take because now they know. Mm, that's right. They know how they have it in writing, how one of the most eminent jurists in this country thinks that their daughters died, how they were taken how they were, had their necks cut, how they were um, dumped, and why Mr Edwards did that, or, or certainly the closest th thinking or theory that, as to why he might have done that. Um, they know the history of this man, which is even more shocking. Um, they, have, they have sat for days and weeks with the victims of Mr Edwards who did survive his attacks. I... I sometimes I've, I've cast my mind to that um, that I mean what 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 strength it must take for to be a, the parent of a murdered daughter but to have it in yourself to comfort another woman who was attacked by mr. Edwards but survived um, what he's done is uh, I've put it in the paper he has uh, today, become one of the most evil, sadistic, vicious killers this state has ever seen. And I've been waiting seven months to say that, and I'm glad mm. I can now, because yep. that's that's what he is. That's what he's been proved to have done, and that's what we can call him now. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy to call him that, because that's what Justice Hall decided he was. And that is the emails that we've received today as well, People are now, you know, they ha people in this podcast and people who've emailed us have been very measured in the things that they've said. Not anymore. Mm. Now we're getting those emails that are saying, you know, I hope every creature comfort is taken away from him. I hope he rots. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, they've got to keep him safe. They've got to keep him fed. They've got to keep him watered. Um, they've got to keep him secure. Um, uh, you know, he... he there is no death penalty in Western Australia. There used to be, but not anymore. So, um, but you know, yeah, creature comforts and those type of things. Look, he's going to be in prison for a very, very long time. Um, life um, sentence is coming. That's mandatory. Miss um, Barbara Gallo was asked today whether she would be considering asking or or suggesting or you know arguing before Justice Hall whether. The, that should be life without parole, i.e. a full life term, never to be released. She said she will consider that. That is a possibility. Um, and I think Justice Hall um, will think about that 
long and hard um, after he gets the sentencing submissions at the end of November and and then we get to the hearing at the end of December. Of course, another family had to walk out of court today and that was Bradley Edwards' family. And, you know, they were thrown really <laughs> tough questions. Mm. Yeah, I don't bear them any ill will no. at all. I don't bear Mr Edwards' parents any ill will. They have been, well, thrown is, is the right word. They have been injected into this horrendous situation um, having observed them for many many months they seem to me and, and everyone who has interacted with them in the in the court has said to me that they are um, just two normal um, mum and dad with three kids who who have been um, forced into the very centre of this um, uh, horrendous situation I bear them no ill will at all, and neither do I bear any ill will to Mr. Edwards' brother and sister and all the people um, close to him. Um, and I, I'm sure there is some um, reflection and reaction and maybe um, some rejection of what um, mm. Justice Hall has said about their son and brother and, and uncle today, but it's there in black and white. Um, he heard both sides of the argument and, and came down the way he did. So now we, as observers and reporters, are entitled to um, to make those conclusions ab ab about, their, about um, Mr Edwards. Damien, how would Mr Jovic be feeling? Well, he would, he would be flat. I, I would have thought, not, not flat like, I'm not Mr Jovic, mm. but I would have thought that he'd feel flat, not gutted, he would feel flat. But I think, for all that it's worth, these words that I say, he should be proud that he stood and fought the way that he did, structured his defence the way that he did, and was diligent right to the end from what I could see. And um, took a team in that was entirely capable and proved that they in my view, run that defence the best way that it could be run. So he would be, I would have thought, a little bit flat, but I think that at some point he would, because he's the head of a team too, so he would mm. um, be looking at his team going, well, we did a great job. And and a verdict has to come down, whichever way it's going to come down. And and I, what I always say to my team and people I'm working with as well is that, that the evidence will be what the evidence will be. There's not much you can do about that. I mean, I mean, you can argue that some things shouldn't go in or you can argue that it's not relevant or whatever the arguments might be. But unfortunately, um, you don't get to make the ultimate decision about that. And so I would have thought that he'd be feeling a little bit flat, but um, for, for simply because it's come to an end and it didn't, you know, the, the, the verdict came down the way that it did. He'll be, um, I would have thought, probably... Enjoying a bit of a couple of days off, and then he'll be back into something else, probably, mm. uh, like most of us try to do. It's like any other job. I mean, you 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 know, just because um, you might not have a great day the day before, you still have to get up and come to work the next day and mm. tackle whatever the next challenge is. It's that great great quandary of life, which um, Tim was discussing before. And when he was talking about it, I thought, you know, this pursuit of answers that the human race has, we just want answers, we just have to have answers. So we go after them. Mm. And sometimes you get the answers and sometimes the answers are like, oh, okay, that's not great news. 
Um, and but that's just who, who we are as human beings, isn't it? We do want to know the answer. We do, you know, and, and we accept that we might not like what the answer is, but we still want to know what it is. And on that note, the December the 23rd date might seem a long way away. Part of the reason for that is Justice Hall will have other trials. In fact, I know he's got other trials coming up in between now today and then um, on the circuit, so not necessarily in Perth, I understand. Um, so as Damien said, uh, I mean, it, this, this is the case that has stopped the state today. Um, <laughs> but tomorrow, uh, amazingly, um, the justice system and the courts and the trials and the judges and the lawyers... Um, we'll and, the move on. and the journalists, and the journalists. I'm not moving on quite yet, <laughs> mate. I've got a, I've got a bit to do in between now and then. But um, yeah, eventually there will be another story, and well, there are always other stories. But um, I don't think there's ever going to be a story quite like this one. No, and of course you can read uh, Tim's stories and work in the paper tomorrow. You've got a 16 page lift out which delves right into the verdict. Yes, not all written by me, I hasten to add. Um, I mean, a, a story like this, as Damien just said, a defence like this, prosecution like this, um, you know, it, it's all teamwork. And um, the West has, has pulled together an amazing team for the, for, the, for the whole of the trial. And today they all, um, we pulled out all the stops. So there will be yeah, 16 pages of um, breakdown of, it, of what it all means. Um, from you know, from the police to the families to the courts to the judges to to yeah, everything, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure there'll be other other stories to come in the in the in the in the days to come, because now it is done. Um, it does give those involved, particularly you know, witnesses that um, that that were involved in the trial, you know, a little bit more freedom to talk. So, I think we will be hearing um, so a, a lot more personal stories. Um, from people involved, um, you know, in the in the in the days and weeks ahead. Yeah, and you can also find uh, photographs, details, video, all of the things we've been talking about at thewest.com.au. That's in addition to the paper tomorrow. Damien, thank you so very much for your time and your insights across our platforms today. You, you were very, very busy, as was Tim. Thank you so much. We've still got plenty more questions that have come from you in emails today, so we will be back tomorrow. That will be with myself, Tim, Ali Fan and Tom Percy QC, and we hope to have your company then for Claremont in Conversation. This podcast is hosted by Natalie Bongiolo, produced by Kate Ryan and recorded in the studios of Seven West Media. Sign up for daily emails and all the latest on the Claremont trial at thewest.com.au. And if local news delivered differently appeals to you, tune into WA's newest morning show, The West Live with Jenna Clark. It's talkback radio, but without the interruptions. Listen live weekdays from 8.45am on thewest.com.au or catch up with the podcast.